Yeah, there's 8,000 bicycles for kids. <laughs> All the bicycles. Oh, this is like on a cliff. Okay. Here we go. Let me paint a picture for you. Paco and I are walking up to a beautiful home, toys in the front yard, about a half a dozen bikes at the side of the house, a yard I would have dreamed of playing in as a kid. This is Lisa Canning's home, the home she works from as an entrepreneur with her seven children. Welcome to the I Make a Living podcast, where we're discussing work-life balance. doing the episode on productivity where we highlighted morning routines and work environments, we couldn't help but think about the buzz phrase work-life balance. Productivity is important as an entrepreneur, but so is the balance between your personal life and your work life. If you're not careful, you can easily burn yourself out, harm personal relationships, and actually become less productive because you're not giving yourself the space to rejuvenate, which is oftentimes why people are most productive. It's a balance. The Western world is in a bit of an epidemic these days. Some of the leading organizations in today's world give their employees unlimited paid time off, which sounds absolutely crazy. But according to the research done by Sage Business Researcher, many people in these businesses are taking even less vacation time. And those who do have a standard amount of paid time off aren't using it all. According to a 2017 report done by the U.S. Travel Association, there are 705 million unused vacation days annually. Taking time off is essential in balancing work and life. And if these employees find it difficult taking paid time off, how much harder would it be for entrepreneurs who aren't getting paid for their vacation time? So no wonder work-life balance is such a hot topic. It's hard to achieve and there are many factors to take into consideration. Which brings me back to Lisa Canning. Remember the woman with the seven kids? She originally started out as a freelance interior designer, but she's recently shifted careers a bit. She's now a business life mom coach. She helps women, specifically mothers, realize they can pursue their dreams and be amazing moms at the same time. It's a work-life balance thing. When Paco and I first began drafting this episode, he mentioned Lisa's story. As soon as I found out that she's been an entrepreneur for 11 years, has two businesses, is releasing a book, works from home, and runs a seven-kid household, we showed up on her doorstep. Careful of the toy shovel. (laughs) Doorbell? Nope. No doorbell. Knocking? Door knocking. All right. I'm an entrepreneur with no children, no partner, no responsibilities outside of myself, and yet, balancing work and personal life is tough. I honestly can't fathom how Lisa does it, but she'd be the first to say it's been a process. It is an incredibly mentally tiring endeavor to be an entrepreneur. The emotional and mental gymnastics that occur of like, one day you're amazing and the next day everyone hates me and then one day you're going to make in one quarter and then the next day you're like nobody thinks I'm worth anything and I should just go work at the gap like like all very true things that have gone in my head I should just give up and go work somewhere else for someone else failing at work-life balance fueled me to figure it out 
looking at my husband at year five of my business and him literally telling me like the intensity of our life, I cannot keep up with and it has to change. And realizing, looking at him, realizing I could lose the things that matter most to me if I don't figure this stuff out. Not having a good work-life balance affects so much in your life and the lives of those around you. Sometimes it's just important to stop and think about what matters most to you and go from there. It may be as simple as just deciding what takes priority in your life. It was about year five. I had three kids under the age of four. I had just given birth to my fourth baby, and I was sitting outside in my minivan um, about to go into work at a big job site that I had been working on for a long time. I was five days out of the hospital. Like I was exhausted. I had still the Band-Aid in my back from the epidural. I had like just the most disgusting car of like Cheerios and goldfish crackers and water bottles and like McDonald's and everything, just like garbage everywhere. And I remember it was that moment when I looked at my van and I said, my priorities are as messy as my minivan. And I remember I just put my head on the steering wheel and I just bawled my eyes out. But that was the day I said, no more. There must be another way that I can pursue my passions and be profitable and not feel like I'm always failing the people who matter most to me. That was like my big aha. I call that incident my minivan meltdown um, with so much pressure, like so much internalized, self-created pressure. I call that the beginning of the road that I'm now on. And I would say it took a good two years. And I did so many different things. I reimagined my business. I put clear, strict boundaries on my schedule. And I started saying no a lot more. Good work-life balance to me is not feeling an ounce of guilt in any activity you're doing because you've chosen to spend the time there and you know you've allocated time for the other things in your life in a well-designed schedule. So you are released of guilt. This was a pivotal moment in Lisa's life. She started implementing a true balance of work and life in year five of her business. Year five. That's five years of the opposite of balance. So chaos? I'd love to learn how to better balance work and life a little sooner if possible, which is why I'm now talking to Lisa. The real key is knowing what your priorities are and having the confidence to declare them and design your life around them. So let me give you an example. One of the hard boundaries I set in my business was in the beginning, three days a week, I must be able to pick up my children from school. So prior to that, I would work until 11 p.m., like out, like literally out, like not see my children, not tuck them into bed. Like I would be on the road until 11 p.m. And so saying... I have to have a strict boundary three days a week um, so I could come to these beautiful people laughing in the background. Um, It meant that I had to say, okay, well, I can do a shoot that day, but I have to leave at three. Or it meant, sure, I can do a shoot that day, but I only had two days of the week to do shoots. Do you know what I mean? Like I had to just get very deliberate and very strict with myself on what I would take on and what I would not. And I'll tell you... I remember in the beginning being like, I reimagined my business. I moved from project managing interior design projects to providing two-hour consultations. And I remember being like, nobody's going to want this. 
I'm going to like not make any money. Like nobody's going to want to just hire me, you know, at this expensive two hour rate for only two hours. Nobody. But you want to know what's amazing? I made way more money than I ever did. And I was way more profitable. And I was able to be home to see my children and tuck them into bed at night because I set the strict boundaries in my business. I created the demand that I wanted. I didn't let other people dictate it for me. And so it can seem so overwhelming. But with a strategic look at your strengths, with a strategic look at, especially as an entrepreneur, what you can provide in the marketplace that maybe isn't there yet. And then working backwards from lifestyle design as opposed to maybe what everyone else is doing or maybe what you thought was most common or most regular when it comes to running a style of business. Instead, let's reverse engineer from the life you want. So priorities, then also the strength to implement boundaries. Those are a few of the beginning steps to work-life balance. Year five of my business was minivan meltdown. Years six and seven were kind of guessing and testing and trying to figure out what, you know, to do. And then year eight and onward have been like try, like like more refining the system. Okay, also systems. I feel like it always comes down to systems. Putting systems in place keeps you accountable. Lisa's a very structured person. She has a pretty regulated schedule. I'm up by six and I exercise first from 6 to 6.30. And then I pray from 6.30 to 7. And then by 7, usually kids are starting to wake up. So between 7 and 7.30, I'll kind of like get breakfast ready, make the lunches, maybe throw on a load of laundry, that kind of thing. And then by 7.30, it's like full on, full on momdom. And that's getting kids dressed and eating, teeth brushed, you know, do you have spelling words? Like, where's your agenda? Blah, blah, blah. So all the things that we need to do for kids. And then by 8.15, 8.30, we're in the car. I do the school drop-off every day. And then I come home and I go live on my social channels, usually between like 9.15 and 10. And then every day is different between 10 and 3. I have days that are more home-based where I'm creating content. I'm participating in my mastermind. And then I have days that are very outward and are meetings or shooting or different collaborations. They're very outward focused. And then my Fridays are always kind of a self-care day. So that's sort of my work schedule is usually between like nine and three-ish. And then it's hands on deck when my kids come home from school. And between 4 and 6.30, it's like blackout time for my phone. And I had to put that literally as a blackout because otherwise I wasn't paying attention to them. It's too tempting for me. I'm too, I love my business too much. I love social media too much. I love feeling like a part of it too much that I was like, I have to put a blackout time because otherwise... I'm always going to be distracted. And then from 6.30 onward, it's like bedtime, relaxing with my husband. um, And then I'm usually in bed by 10. A strict set schedule from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I have so much respect for how organized and structured Lisa is. And it makes sense. After all, let's remember, she is juggling two full-time gigs and a pretty robust household. Structure is key. And while for you, our listener, this may seem extreme, there is definitely a lot to learn from Lisa. She created a structure that allows her to mitigate a very hectic lifestyle. You may not have seven kids or want to break down your day to a play-by-play, but having structure around your work and life is key to maintain harmony. Lisa takes us to a whole other level, so I had to ask. 
Do you have any down moments? I have down minutes. I have down hours. I, I, I am a very easily distracted person. If you've ever heard of the four temperaments, I'm a sanguine. Sanguines love distraction. Everything is like fun, people. Oh, I should do that. This is why social media can pull me into its vortex <laughs> and like I could just get lost forever in fun. So I've had to combat my love for fun, I suppose, with a very structured schedule. And I honestly, for people who feel like, oh, I could never be structured like that. Oh, it's so rigid. There's no way. I get this all the time. It's kind of like money. If we want to buy a house or if we want to save a certain amount of dollars or we want to buy a bag, whatever, go on vacation, you have to do certain things in order to make sure that money gets there or you've saved for that. Time is exactly the same. If we don't spend our time wisely, we're not really working towards a goal. We might not get there. So I think it's so important that an entrepreneur takes a really constructive look at their schedule and look at where they're wasting time, look at how they could be more productive. And again, this is why for me, it's all about being able then to show up for the things that matter most. Okay, so she is human. This makes me feel a bit better. She just creates a schedule based on her desired outcome, and therefore she sticks to it because she wants to achieve her desired outcome. She seems to have it down, and I wondered if there were any other things that have helped her along the way. So because I am so limited in the number of hours that I work, intentionally I'm limited by choice. I really want to be limited. I then outsource basically anything I can. And when I say that, I mean literally on the business front, I outsource almost everything. And then on the home front, I outsource as much as I can. So let me give you a couple of practical examples. All tech I have a team that I've contracted. And it's a really interesting team because I work with a project manager and then they have all of these contractors sort of in their wheelhouse of people and talent. And so I just communicate with my project manager and then she goes and assigns the task, whether it be you know emailing my people, whether it be fixing a glitch or a download in my website, she does all of that. And then on the home front, like deep cleaning my house, our groceries are completely automated. Even my home care is automated so that you don't have to think about it. I find especially women, especially mothers have so many invisible lists in their head of like, oh, did you do this? And doctor's appointment and this and that and da, 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 that there's barely any room left for business or personal passions. So I always encourage moms to, and anybody trying to be successful and productive What can you automate, delegate, or just delete? Oh my word, the delete one is really challenging too because I think sometimes, especially entrepreneurs, passionate people who've been involved in things, it can be hard to just like delete the thing completely. But you gotta just say no. If it's not giving you life, if it's not helping your priorities succeed, you might wanna say no. I think another thing that's important to think about, and this I still feel very challenged by, all the time. James Wedmore talks about this a lot. The role of the CEO in the business or the visionary in the business, and then the role of the integrator or the person who is taking that vision and actually making it happen. And then maybe the role of the contractor, the person who could easily get paid $15 an hour for doing a job instead of the visionary doing that $15 role. And that's where I, (laughs) oh my word, my big like confession is Canva. 
Canva is an online tool where you can design graphics. I could spend a whole day designing one little picture for a blog post or for, you know, whatever, an infographic all day. Cause I'm like, oh, I just want to change this color and change this picture. And oh, that's not formatted, right? No, I should not be doing that. I should not be doing that. So I, I get really stuck on certain things in my business, but to think about the role of, are you the CEO or are you the employee? Our time is valuable, so outsourcing to others is a viable option. There is the holdup that outsourcing does cost money, but Lisa slash James Wedmore is right. Let's say you estimate your hourly rate to $45 an hour. Why wouldn't you then outsource things for $15 to free up your hour to make the $45? It's simple math here, but for me, it's hard because all I can think about is how to save the $15 for that hour and not how I'm worth $45. You know, I have to be honest. This is a journey an entrepreneur has to come to. So, and I've, I've come to it a couple of ways. So for example... I would save and then I'd just be like, okay, great. I have a little like, you know, stash away of money. I can hire somebody to do a specific project. So I've approached it like that. But then I've also approached it with, I'm just going to pay in faith that this is going to make me money. Sometimes it has and sometimes it hasn't. But I'll be honest with you, majority of the time it has. But to have that faith to invest in your business, not knowing if the return's going to be there can be very scary. And so I would just encourage anybody to, you can start small. You can start with something as simple as automating your invoices, for example. Like so simple, rather than doing them yourself. Hello, nobody needs to be doing invoices themselves. (laughs) Automate that stuff, right? And that's a really simple way. Like I think too, sometimes we can think I have to hire staff. Oh, that's so scary. I have to pay source deductions. I have to house them. I have to make sure they can get fed. No, you can begin with very small contracts. There are people who will do a contract for like, you know, a very small fee at the beginning. And then you can test the relationship and you can see where this goes. It doesn't have to be this big, overwhelming, I have to hire a salary right out the gate. You can definitely grow into the whole notion of growing your team. The more I talk to entrepreneurs about their journey and where they're currently at, the more empowered I feel to think on a larger scale. I can outsource. It's not that outrageous of an idea. I just have to be strategic about how to do it. Lisa gave us a perspective on work-life balance in a very tangible way. We thought it might be interesting to see things from a bit of a different perspective as well. My definition of balance is feeling ease within my body. So I could be working, I could be playing, I could be at the spa, I could be vacuuming the house. As long as I feel a sense of calm and ease throughout my body, I feel that I'm living a quote-unquote balanced life. It's when I feel rushed or hectic or short of breath or not enough time to exercise or haven't meditated in a few weeks or I'm doing my work tasks begrudgingly because I wish I were doing something else or I'm exhausted, that's when I want to do a self-check to think, okay, maybe I should revisit how I'm spending my time right now. That's Esprit Devora. She runs a company called We Are LA Tech. 
She's also known for her tagline, the girl who gets it done. Her life is pretty opposite from Lisa's. She's a single female who travels all the time. Nearly every time we connected with her, she was in a different country. But her take on work-life balance is quite different. I think that our body is just this uh, compass of what's going on. It's almost like this alarm system, and it lets us know when we need to shift right or when we need to shift left. And if we're not paying attention, that's when we become severely ill, physically, mentally, spiritually. But if we use our body as that indicator, like, okay, something's going on here. Body needs rest. Body needs um, peace. You need to speak up for yourself more in life. You know, it's just interesting how our bodies are this vessel of information if we're listening. I think the most important thing that I could do is stop. I think when I stop, I'm able to process. Our lives get so busy. It's a reflection of society. Actually, there was a study on busyness highlighted in the Harvard Business Review. The study found that the busier a person was, the more important people believe them to be, which, again, is a reflection of our society. If you're not juggling a million things at once, you're considered a slacker. But how helpful is that for your mental health? I'm going to go out on a limb and say not much. We all want the same thing, success. Our definitions of success might look a little different, but all in all, no one aims to fail. That's why we take on so much. But taking on more isn't necessarily going to help you be more productive. Taking time to stop and self-reflect is a good way to monitor the balance you're aiming for, if you're aiming for it. The balance is important for so many reasons. One, it's a cool hack to accelerate forward. The more I feel ease in my body, the more efficient I am in work, the more connected I feel to my friends and my family, the more creative the mental space I have for creativity, the more I'm able to handle adversity. Like if, if those jerks that like come across our days and try to put us in a bad mood and bring the, us down with them. When I feel ease in my body, I'm like, ah, I feel compassion for you. Similar to Lisa, Esprit could pinpoint when she saw the need for balance in her life. When I was building my second company, I knew I needed a break. And I bought a plane ticket to Fiji and Australia, two places I really wanted to travel to. It was a dream. And my team freaked out when they found out. They're like, our leader can't leave us. And it was so sweet. And it meant a lot to me that, you know, my team was that committed and loyal But at the same time, I really needed to go and I didn't because I wanted to be what they needed me to be, or at least what I thought they needed me to be. So I canceled the trip and went into a severe burnout. And I was so committed to continuously grinding that I didn't understand how to stop and self-care. And I did understand I'd become more efficient if I were to spend more time caring for my health. And so I think the world had to give me a couple more challenges that way until I got it. A couple years ago, I couldn't walk for five months because I overworked myself. So my body reacted to, to all the stress. And luckily I, I'm healed now, but it was, it's this great inspiration and motivator to not go down that path anymore. And so every time I feel a sense, because we could tell when we're going down the path where like, it's like, you know, seven days consecutive of just feeling frantic. That's the time to like really stop and be like, okay, what needs to change? How can I create a different energy for myself that is more nourishing for my energy, for my health, for my surroundings? And so 
yeah, I'm just more sensitive to it now. And so balance is creating that sense of ease in my body and, and making sure I'm there more often than not. Esprit's life can look pretty hectic and crazy to any onlooker observing her coming and goings. But that's why achieving internal balance is so important to her. She's seen what it's like to be in balance, and she's seen what it's like to not. It does affect her and her business. I've spent the last couple of years rebuilding my business from the ground up so that it could cater to being streamlined. And now that I'm implementing those systems and going through the new life phase, now it's about going deeper mentally on blocks, you know, self-limiting beliefs and blocks that I'm creating for myself. And I've been creating blocks and having self-limiting beliefs from the start. I think something that we all do is we have this little voice in our head, the critical voice. And then you ask yourself, would I ever talk to a friend this way? So it's important to really hear that inner critic and tell that inner critic, it's cool. I got this one. And, and not not let that voice take uh, the driver's seat. This is a theme. Moments when I experience a lack of perfection or fluidity, which is like, I'm not enough and, you know, second guessing and oh my gosh. And and it, it challenges the value. It's like, oh, why couldn't I do this well? And it attacks the the inner core of our confidence, of my confidence. And I think this concept of I am not enough is something that I hear a lot of us deal with, and I deal with it regularly. And there's so many layers to it. Where is that coming from? Why do I sometimes think that of myself? How do I resolve that? And then when I think about my opportunities and conversations that I have in my business and in my personal life, that whole I am not enough thing, it dictates the narrative of how the conversations flow, how I negotiate my rates, what kind of opportunities I go after and work, how I communicate about myself when someone isn't being kind to me. This sounds a lot like imposter syndrome, feeling like you're not enough, not believing in yourself. Even if you do the work and are brilliant at it, you may still struggle with truly believing that. According to the International Journal of Behavioral Science, it's estimated that 70% of people experience some form of imposter syndrome in their lifetime. This means I'm not the only one, and neither is Esprit. I felt that all my situations, all my challenges, all my self-limiting beliefs were all independent of one another. Then there's this happening over there in that bucket, and then there's this happening over here in that bucket, and then over here in that other bucket all over there, there's that other thing happening. They're all connected, and they all follow this same theme, and that theme is the thing that I need to address and work on and resolve and figure out where that's coming from and change my, my habits and my patterns accordingly. And so finding someone that has that kind of like leadership and psychological training to kind of bring the whole picture together is really useful. I mean, there's mentors, there's business coaches, there's life, there's all the names, there's therapists, there's all sorts of names for things. The point is like, sometimes it really helps us to have someone outside of ourself to help on that pathway of um, ease and, and creativity. Esprit has a business coach who helps her connect the dots and address things like imposter syndrome. Sometimes we just need an outside voice to give us perspective. I think my year is going into, into a life where I feel a sense of ease more often than I don't, where I talk to myself as though I'm my own best friend and 
where I understand that this life is about creating myself. And there's no such thing as I'm not enough. It's just all a progress. And I just need to show up to the best of my ability with a heart behind it and a commitment to create an authenticity to create meaningful impact and make sure that I do all that in a financially sustainable way and have the energy and the connectivity in my personal life to have a sense of adventure and play and enjoy the conversations with my friends and family. I think it's about not living for my business, but having my business empower me to have the life that I dream of. Esprit would be the first to tell you that achieving this balance, the ease that she mentions, is a work in progress. One day you do real well and feel like you've acquired a good balance, and the next, it's chaos, like it never happened. That's life, so no sense in beating yourself up over it. Just continue practicing ways that you experience balance. Today, we've talked to two very different, very successful entrepreneurs who've achieved a tangible level of work-life balance. However, Their lifestyles and motivations are quite different. For Lisa, having work-life balance comes from an external need to lead a large household, a number of entrepreneurial projects, and make sure she has time to attend to them all. For Esprit, achieving an internal level of calm and space allows her to flourish in a very hectic business and lifestyle model. There is so much to learn about balancing work and life, whether it be external systems like Lisa mentioned or internal reflection like Esprit talks about. Both are helpful and probably not the only ways to conquer the imbalance that seems to haunt all of us entrepreneurs. There are a slew of articles with loads of tips on achieving a better work-life balance. Tips like exercising, I'd say that could be incredibly helpful to maintain balance in your life. Or connecting with people. As entrepreneurs, we can become so lonely because we work for ourselves and by ourselves. Connecting with other humans is important. So Lisa and Esprit are just two examples of practicing work-life balance. The goal is balance, and there are many roads to get there. If you'd like more content on this topic, we'll link a few articles in the show notes, including Lisa Canning's upcoming book and both Esprit Devorah's podcasts. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out and share how you've conquered balancing work and life, or how you haven't. Hey, I'm Kalani. And I'm Stephanie, and we're the founders of Galaxy Visuals, a video production agency in New York City. At Galaxy Visuals, we create videos of all kinds, from commercials to corporate videos, and we absolutely love making product videos and commercials for really cool things. I think one of my biggest challenges is balancing being a creative director and also owning a business at the same time. I can creative direct all day, make client briefs, write scripts, direct commercials. But after all of that, I still have to make sure my company's operating. And I think that's what FreshBooks has really helped me with. It's been really nice to have something so simple and clean to use. It's been super helpful to us. One of my biggest challenges is finding the time to focus on growing our business when I'm so busy with the day-to-day operations. I'm the executive producer here, and my job is mostly landing clients, producing projects, and making sure we're on track for delivering our videos on time. But I also have to make sure that invoices are sent and expenses are kept track of so that our company can grow. It's definitely a balancing act, but FreshBooks really helped us save time and headache with the accounting side of our company and let us focus more on the big picture. When we started, we were just one part-time freelancer using FreshBooks, and now we've grown to have five full-time employees, and with our bigger team, we still love to use FreshBooks. 
I'm super proud of the fact that Galaxy Visuals has grown so much in the last few years and that we've created hundreds of videos for dozens of satisfied clients. I feel blessed that this is my company and I've been able to make a living by making videos. People can connect with us and see our work by going to our website, galaxyvisuals.com. We'd love to work with anyone who wants to make great videos. And if you head to our website, you might just find an I Make a Living video there. That's all for us. Thanks for having us. If you'd like to be featured for Center Stage, there's a link on our website where you can record an introduction. Just go to freshbooks.com slash podcast. The I Make a Living podcast was brought to you by FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting solution for small business owners and their teams. To learn more and get an exclusive offer, go to freshbooks.com slash podcast. If you want to attend an event, go to freshbooks.com slash events. A special thanks to Lisa Canning and Esprit Devora for their insights on work-life balance. Head to our show notes to find more information about them and what they're doing. This podcast was made possible because of audio engineering and music composition by James Morris, co-production and direction by Paco Arismendi, and I'm Darby Masters. Thanks for listening to the I Make a Living podcast. Podcast.